familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. As a new mom, you may be familiar with how breastfeeding and pumping is perceived within your own community, but what happens when you need to travel to another country? What about important issues such as breastfeeding in public and finding quality places to pump? How do you stay respectful of other cultures while still pursuing your own feeding goals? And where do you turn to if you need help? Where are the boob group? I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield. I breastfed after a C-section. I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it. I pump at work. I breastfeed with a cover. I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula. I talk to my baby while I breastfeed. I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other mom. We are equal. We are the boob group. Welcome to the boob group. We're here to support all moms wanting to provide breast milk to their babies. I'm your host, Priya Mar, and I'm also the founder of the Moms Pump Here Nursery Locator app, which helps moms all over the world find great places to pump and breastfeed their babies. If you haven't yet, we encourage you to download the new Mommy Media Network app, which gives you easy access to all our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast through iTunes, so all our latest episodes download straight to your phone. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review so other moms can learn about us. Let's meet the mamas joining our conversation today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your experience traveling abroad. Hello, I'm Laura Kent-Davidson. I am a naturopathic doctor and lactation consultant from Toronto, Ontario, and also a mom of two. I've got a three and a half year old and a seven month old to keep me busy. And not long after my daughter, my oldest was born, we moved away from Canada. We went over to Thailand for a couple of years to work and have some, I guess, adventure. And so, yeah, lots of travel was involved with over those two years. We were really lucky to get to explore Southeast Asia as a family, you know, during our vacation time. So I can say that I've breastfed my daughter in, you know, probably seven or eight different countries outside of Canada. And I've had positive experiences in definitely in most of, uh, most of our trips. So I think as you just kind of reflecting as a, as a, a family traveling abroad and being foreign, we drew a lot of attention because we had a baby. So having, being a, a breastfeeding mother wasn't necessarily something that drew extra attention. We already were, we're, we're attracting a lot of attention anyways. So no, I definitely had positive experiences uh, traveling abroad with my little one. Hi, my name is Melanie and I'm an educator living in Iowa. I have two kids. I have a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, and I'm currently nursing them both, actually. So I've been tandem nursing for a little over two years. We live in the States, but my husband is Israeli, and so I have traveled abroad uh, with the kids a few times over there and breastfed them both um, individually and together. And then in addition to that, when my daughter was an infant, 
I took her to Sweden with me on a business trip for a week. And so I've breastfed her over there as well. And hey, everyone, I'm Sunny. I'm producing today's show. And I don't have much experience breastfeeding or pumping abroad. I had my kids like boom, boom, boom. I've got four of them. And at one point, I had uh, four kids ages three and under. So (laughs) I didn't get to go very far besides like my bed, the bathroom, and the kitchen. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to live vicariously through your beautiful stories today of places that you've traveled. But yeah, I was excited to talk about uh, today's episode and to learn more about your experiences. And I'm your host, Priya Mard, and I have three children. My oldest is 14, and so I'm the old lady on this call, I think. <laughs> I feel like it anyway. Um, my oldest is 14, and my youngest is eight, and I breastfed my youngest, Liam, for three years. All of them were breastfed and breast pumped and supplements and all that great stuff, but I breastfed him for three years, and I have never pumped abroad. So it's ironic. I have an app that provides locations all around the world, <laughs> but I've never pumped abroad. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, so before we kick off today's show, we'd love to read comments from our listeners, and this one comes from Renee, and I I don't know, I just, I, I really like this comment, and I, we had a really fun conversation talking about this episode that she's referring to, so this is what she says. I listened to some of your podcasts, including the Boob Group, because of a discussion you had of a woman who had trouble finding a place to pump during a conference at a hotel. I called the hotel where I have a conference next week to prep them. They already have a policy to have a room for me when I need to pump. I haven't attended the conference yet, so I'm not sure how it will go, but it's a relief to know that I will probably have a comfortable place to pump. If I hadn't listened to the podcast, I probably would have been thinking of finding a corner in the bathroom. Thanks so much. Oh, that's awesome. Do you remember when we were talking about that, Priya? It it was the mom who went, it was part of our news headline segment, and uh, mom that wasn't provided with a location, and she pumped in the city, or the the main lobby area, right? She did not care. She's like, screw these people. (laughs) Right. So, Renee, I'm so glad that that episode helped you. If you have any questions or comments or anything about our episodes, we do read all the email that comes into us as well as any posts that you leave us on Facebook or if you do a shout out on Twitter or something like that. Uh, So please let us know and we'd love to share these with our audience. So keep them coming. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? (sighs) Well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, 
so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As a breastfeeding and pumping mom, travel can always be a challenge. But what happens when you need to travel overseas? Our expert today is Laura Kent Davidson of Toronto, Canada. She's a naturopathic doctor and IBCLC who also teaches an online school called Parenthood Abroad, which helps guide parents from bump to baby. Laura, welcome to the Boob Group. Hi, thank you for having me on. Awesome, awesome. So Laura, you've created a whole course to help parents spending time overseas. How important is it for parents to be prepared for traveling? Yeah, thank you. Um, I do have a course on on preparing parents for breastfeeding. I think it is um, important to be as prepared as possible, especially for folks who are planning to travel or move overseas, um, because, you know, travel itself brings a lot of the unexpected. So I think trying to be as prepared as possible for all the other things is important. Going abroad, you may not always know what kinds of supports will be available to you as a breastfeeding mom or a mom who's pumping. You know, being away from family and friends can sometimes be a challenge. You don't always have that access to ask questions that come up. And I think for a lot of us parents who are living away from our, our the countries we're born in, that sense of isolation, that feeling of being alone can sometimes really creep in and, and become an issue. So I think trying to connect with quality information beforehand, like before you even have the baby, ideally, um, and then knowing where your resources are, online resources can be really, really great and really helpful and accessible no matter where you are in the world. So knowing where those are um, is really important, you know, just to help get you set up for the best start possible with feeding. How did you personally prepare for traveling? Did you think about all these things ahead of time? Like, I know you have all this information for your course, but where did you, were you prepared? Yeah, I had, well, I mean, I had my daughter. She was eight months old, around eight months when we left for Thailand. So, um, and for me at that point, breastfeeding had just become very normal and natural and actually pretty easy. So there was really no actual breastfeeding prep to, to pick up and go. Um, I didn't find that I had to do very much before I even had her though. Yes, I had to prepare as far as, um, learning about breastfeeding and latching and positioning and all those sorts of things. But from the travel side, I think, you know, the beauty of, breastfeeding for me is that it really was just easy to pick up and go. Awesome. And what about you, Melanie? Yeah, the first time I traveled abroad, uh, I traveled with my daughter when she was 12 months and we went over to Israel. And because my husband is from there, I remember asking him a couple of questions just about you know, any encounters I might expect to have on the airplane, uh, because I definitely breastfeed my kids, at least on the way up and down from the flight, as well as throughout um, for regular nutritional needs. And he's a very supportive laid back guy and kind of assured me that I wouldn't have anything to worry about. When I went to Sweden with her, I actually felt really good about going over there and breastfeeding because I know that in that country, they provide like a year's, you know, paid maternity leave um, to all new parents. Yeah. So while I didn't seek out breastfeeding specific information, I guess I just kind of inferred that a country that supported new parents in that way would be totally cool with me nursing wherever and whenever. And they're both, you know, democratic societies. So I didn't really have any specific issues with with laws or anything. All right. That's interesting that you bring up the democratic side of them being, you know, breastfeeding friendly. So I hope we get to touch on that later in the conversation as we talk about what countries are breastfeeding friendly, because I think that might be an important point to make. Okay. So Laura, we touched upon an important topic just now. Melanie just mentioned Sweden being democratic and being breastfeeding friendly. So here in the United States, breastfeeding and pumping can be highly controversial. But in general, which countries or areas of the world tend to be more supportive? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think there's so many factors that 
influence a country's support for breastfeeding and for breast milk feeding versus artificial milk feeding. And this, for me, is really reflected in the country's exclusive breastfeeding rates. Um, but I think for places where you know breastfeeding is very visible, where we you know, people see it, that helps to normalize it. So those are obviously usually places that are very supportive places where, you know, the marketing of breast milk substitutes has been well controlled or even, you know, forbidden. They generally have more positive attitudes towards breastfeeding and breast milk feeding. Places that are investing in strong maternal health programs like Sweden um, and have strong women's rights advocacy, they're usually places as well, even, you know, places where there are lack of resources, where you know, the safe preparation of artificial milk is not really allowed for because of the lack of resources or the, the conditions. That's usually where breast milk and, and breastfeeding is known as or acknowledged as a lifesaver. So those are obviously supportive places. I think, you know, around the world, the, the rates are going up. I do know that some of the, the countries with the, the most support or the most exclusive breastfeeding rates include places like Sweden, Bolivia, Peru, some of those South American countries, Sri Lanka, actually one of the countries I've visited, they're, they're quite high in their rates. India, yeah, it definitely varies around the world, but those are some that I know have quite, quite high rates compared to uh, other countries. Let's talk about the countries that do not <laughs> provide these services. Have you come across, have you traveled to any countries that were restrictive? I personally have not. The rates in Southeast Asia, specifically even Thailand, are on the lower side, but I never found that it was a problem or I never felt uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. That wasn't something that um, I was ever concerned about. I think generally speaking, it's interesting. The countries that have the higher um, higher income are usually the ones that are less, less supportive or have the lower breastfeeding rates You know, at, at around a year of age compared to the lower income countries. Actually, I was reading an article recently about, about rates and the UK has one of the lowest. I believe it's around 1% of babies that are being breastfed up until a year of age. So yeah, it's just interesting. I think certainly globally things are moving in the right direction, but um, we still have a long way to go. Sounds like capitalism is a hindrance. Mm, yeah, advancement. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, women going back to work so early, they don't have a chance to breastfeed for a year because they have to go back to work in like three months. Or four months. So that's very interesting. You know, so I, I know through my experience with, you know, creating my app, the, the locations that have been really extremely supportive that I've been in contact with are Singapore and, and Japan and Thai, um, Thailand. We have a couple locations there. Taiwan is one of them. And even China. China is launching like a thousand locations in the next couple of years that are breastfeeding friendly. But I, I'm, I'm thinking when we're, you know, when we talk about restrictive countries, it might be ha might be related more to religious restrictions. So if you're thinking about, you know, the Arabic countries that you fly into that you have to be covered up, there might be more restrictions there for openly breastfeeding. Breastfeeding in the Middle East is generally quite encouraged and uh, and valued, and it's not so much about religion, but it's more about culture, the culture of a specific country or community that will have more to do with breastfeeding rates. And, um, and breastfeeding's visibility. So it really depends on where you are, but breastfeeding in public, it's really, yeah, it's both based on an, a mother's individual level of comfort and the social norms that exist within her, her own culture. But certainly, you know, many, even in dress that covers much of their bodies, will discreetly breastfeed in public. But then you'll have moms who feel more comfortable with privacy, much like anywhere else in the world. That's awesome. We should write an article about that. <laughs> I wanted to chime in that I have a local friend here who is um, who's from Saudi Arabia, and she had a baby, I don't know, a few months ago, and I went over to help her with latching and stuff in the beginning, and 
kind of brought up that exact question. And I guess I didn't ask specifically whether breastfeeding in public was done very often there, but she gave me the impression that at least the breastfeeding, the per, the public perception of it was very positive and that her mom kind of expected that she would breastfeed and her sisters all have and whatnot. So I guess it's hard to say what the nursing in public thing is life, but certainly it is a supportive or it seems like it's a supportive place to breastfeed your your baby. Wow, that's amazing. And that might, that obviously t- ties back to their cultural expectations you know, within the family networks. Right. Um, so what about your personal experiences pumping and breastfeeding abroad? What did you guys encounter? Um, yeah, I think for me, like I mentioned before, traveling with a little one, I mean, there weren't, I didn't see a lot of families traveling. I mean, we, we kind of, we went to Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar, um, Nepal, we kind of covered a large area and I didn't, I mean, I saw some families, but not, not a ton with, with babies. And so I think we definitely stood out just for that fact alone and people wanted to say hello. And it was actually a really great way to connect with, with the local community because yeah, our daughter was this little magnet that people would want to come and, you know, pinch her cheeks and say hello. Um, so yeah, just like the fact that I would breastfeed on a, on a sidewalk or at a cafe, um, or on a train, it didn't really throw, well, as far as my perception of the, the situation, it never really threw anyone off or, you know, I did get a lot of like, good job, like thumbs up. And, you know, p- people definitely were encouraging. Yeah, that was, I guess, my personal experience. Yeah, I've also had very positive experiences breastfeeding both in airplanes and then also on the ground in whatever country I was in. I've actually found that maybe because it was all, I never took like a tiny baby abroad. I, I traveled um, when my oldest, when she was 12 months and then 18 months and then, you know, years old, but it always seems to be some sort of an ice breaker or something. Even this last May, I was there with my daughter who was almost five and my son who was almost two. And I remember talking to my husband's aunt like at length about how long she breastfed for. And she thought it was so great that I was doing it. And it seems like um, once people kind of find out that you're doing it or they see you doing it, whether it's a stranger or a family member or a friend, they it seems to open up a conversation in ways that I don't really experience here in the States, um, at least not among my own family or friends that aren't immediately breastfeeding at the same time that I am, which I think is interesting. It, it's either one of those like women's bonding things that kind of surpasses national lines, or it's something that we just really feel like we we want to support each other in. But I thought, I thought that that was really cool. One concern that I've had actually a couple times traveling over to Israel is on the planes. I don't know if any of you have ever been over there, but the flights when we lived out of New York in particular, about, you know, a half maybe of the flight were pretty religious Orthodox Jews flying over there. And for that religious conservative kind of take, I wasn't always sure, you know, while I'm on the plane and maybe a, a guy would walk by me, like, do I need to worry about this? Do I need to co- to cover up? And I always just kind of did my own thing and never had a bad experience, but it was definitely something I was thinking about and a little bit worried about on those flights. Well, that's interesting. What about the laws? Did you look into the laws in Israel before you traveled? Laura, what would you recommend? Well, I usually, like, I, I think that, you know, for breastfeeding in public, it's usually a non-issue. I mean, generally, I think that a lot of countries out there have laws to protect women who are breastfeeding in public or pumping in public. It doesn't mean that you won't face discrimination or or feel uncomfortable, but I think that um, a lot of places are doing a good job to try to 
increase the protection that women have. But yeah, I think looking into like connecting with the, an embassy for the place that you're going is a good place to start. I know I always used to look at like a travel guide, like a Lonely Planet, a book or, or something similar. And there's always a section on traveling with infants and women's health and breastfeeding is usually always covered in there just to give you an idea of what the the cultural norms are. And then I guess talking to other other people that you know who have traveled there, those would be those are things that I that I would usually do before before going. Um, just yeah, out of curiosity, those are yeah good places to start. What about looking on websites? What are there any specific websites you can recommend for moms? I haven't come across any that address the legal side of it. I think that you probably really just have to email or call the embassy for for that information. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Reaching out to the embassies. We know being prepared is important. So what are some things you can do to make your traveling experience go more smoothly while still pursuing your own personal feeding goals? We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Today we're talking about breastfeeding and pumping while traveling abroad. Our expert is Laura Kent Davidson. So Laura, let's talk about some things families who are planning to breastfeed or breast pump can do to prepare for their trip. What kind of supplies do they take? Do you take everything? (laughs) What about longer stays? How can they prepare? Well, I think it's good to keep things as simple as possible. I think for me, the great thing about breastfeeding is that it was just so easy to pick up and go. I didn't really need to bring a lot with me as far as supplies or or the extras. Yeah, just kind of thinking you might find that, you know, having breast pads might be something that you want to bring along, especially if you if you leak a lot. And I always liked the washable cotton uh, cotton pads that you can buy instead of the disposable ones, especially for travel. I just found that they were easier to use and you didn't have to worry about buying more. So I think also having a breastfeeding cover for some of us who feel more comfortable having that is, is a good idea to pack along. I would usually just wear like a decorative scarf and use it to, dra- to drape over my daughter if I wanted to do that. Sometimes she would get distracted very easily. So it was nice to have something to, to cover over her. And I think having my daughter in a carrier when we traveled was was a big thing as opposed to using a stroller or any other type of baby carrying device. I think having a carrier is really Probably the most important, like essential piece of, of travel equipment that I recommend moms bring along. Um, they're great for feeding the baby, especially when you're breastfeeding. You can do it, you know, when you're in a lineup or, you know, when you're on a walking tour or really wherever. So definitely invest in one of those if you haven't and practice feeding them, per, practice feeding them in the carrier before you, you, you know, you make your way out there. It's pretty easy to, to get the hang of. I'm sure YouTube has lots of examples or a local baby wearing club or group might be a good place to start. So those are my, my key things for breastfeeding moms. If you're pumping, definitely you'll be thinking more about, um, you know, milk storage bags, bottles, I guess storage items like a cooler pack potentially, depending on how, how long you need to keep your milk for and how, how quickly it's being used up. I know, you know, not all moms or bre- and breasts respond well to hand manual expression, but if you haven't tried it, I would definitely give it a try. It's, you know, it can definitely make things 
a little bit more flexible to squeeze in little little sessions of milk expression during times where an actual pump might be challenging to use. Or you forget your pump. <laughs> or you forget it or something happens and you need yeah. to get the milk out. Like, yeah, practicing some technique and working through hand expression. I think, you know, on, on an airplane, you know, you can use a pump on an airplane, absolutely. But um, sometimes doing hand expression, it's a little bit easier if you if you can't really set things up. So another thing to, to pack along maybe is an adapter, depending on the country that you're going to. Thinking about plugging in your pump, you might need to bring something to help with that. What about a battery pack? That might be a good idea too, just in case. Because what if you're in a situation where maybe you don't have power consistently, you know? Or you're in a vehicle, yeah, an extra battery pack. Well, and you guys were talking about hand pumps, and I'm a big advocate of hand pumps. And when you're traveling, like, you just don't know what could happen. Like, something could break. Your luggage may not arrive at your destination. And if you can at least have that, I think that, along with hand expression, I know we've done episodes on, on both of those and, you know, how to do that and then the benefits of that. I'm, I'm just a big fan, so you know, in addition to everything else you're doing. (laughs) If you don't have one yet, grab one because I think it could come in handy quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's easier to carry her. It is. Less weight. All right. So Melanie, when you were traveling, how did you prepare to travel? What kind of supplies did you bring with you? Gosh, you know, by the time I was traveling abroad, my children were at least 12 months old. So I don't feel like I really needed much. I definitely brought a manual pump with me the first time when my daughter was about a year old because I, I wanted to be able to, you know, go out for dinner or something and, and leave her with my mother-in-law. But that was about it. One thing I was going to say, I don't know if you mentioned this or if it's um, maybe appropriate for a different topic, but I've seen so many moms struggle with bringing their pumped milk back on an airplane um, that I was just going to suggest that maybe some homework to do would be to kind of research with your airline or what is it, the FAA, right? <laughs> um, that that maintains all of the regulations, at least here in the U.S., about what you can bring back and in what form and how much and, and all this kind of stuff. And I've heard moms that, you know, bring it back frozen, but they put it in their checked luggage and then it gets you know, rerouted or whatever, and they end up losing it. So coming up with a really strategic plan on how to bring anything back seems like a really important step. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, in a previous episode, we talked about this resource called Milk Stork. Is that the name of it, Sunny Milk Stork? Yes, it's Milk Stork. I wonder if they they, uh, deliver internationally. And it's not just in the U.S. I don't know. But you know what? I'll include the link on the episode page for this episode. So if uh, our listeners want to check it out, they can contact them directly. So Yeah. So so Melanie, Milk Stork uh, ships milk for you. So they provide you with the box and the container, everything that you need to send it back to your home. So you could ship it before you arrive home just to help you with, the you know, so if you have a surplus that you're gone for a long period of time and there's no way you're going to be able to bring everything with you. You could ship a portion of it home and then, just, you know, just bring everything else back in your luggage or your carry-on that you have. What a valuable service. I'm glad that I'm glad that you guys know about that and are publicizing it. Yeah, we well, we just talked about it in an episode we recorded like right before this. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome that it's available. So what do you do if you need to breastfeed or pump overseas? What type of support have you guys received or, you know, looked for? What type of support do you have overseas? Yeah, I think... Having support is key. And definitely when you're going somewhere where you haven't been before, um, it can be scary, especially if you're navigating, you know, a, a foreign healthcare system or you don't know anyone or have connections. I think, um, 
one of the big places to start is reaching out to other moms. And if you can't do that in person necessarily, then, you know, there's every city I think has a mom's Facebook group, especially like expat moms. So it definitely, whether you're a short-term visitor or a long-term visitor, join those groups and you can search the questions that have been asked and post new ones. There's tons of support out there online. It's those, those groups are really great resources. I know I've, I've definitely, um, yeah, used them frequently and been able to help moms on them as well, like being tagged in questions. So jump, uh, jump online. Another thing, I think a lot of cities, I mean, it's hard to generalize, but there's a lot of, of international doulas working in, in cities out there. So, though, you know, if you were to Google search, um, for doulas living in wherever, Dubai or Bangkok, you would, you'd be given a whole, a list. So they would be, you know, likely very, very helpful and connected within the breastfeeding and breast milk feeding communities. So I would go there as a place to start. Awesome. So can you can you both offer any advice to moms traveling overseas? And we've talked a lot about tips and what to bring with you and the support that you need to have while you're traveling and where to ship your milk. But is there any other advice that you would like to, to share with moms and things that they need to consider? My piece of advice is less logistical, I think, and more uh, psychological, emotional, which is basically that if you can go into it feeling really confident and like it's totally normal and everyday thing and that there's no reason to be ashamed or nervous, I think most of the time that is how other people will kind of perceive you. Um, so kind of that whole idea of like trying to walk the the walk or or something. You know, if you act like it's just something that you've done every day and it's no big deal, that can be really helpful. And then kind of on the flip side of that, I know I lived abroad for a few years before I had kids and traveled a lot. And there were times also where the opposite method kind of work, which was like the ignorant traveler, you know, like you don't know that the thing you're doing might be not acceptable or might offend some people and and you're not doing it to be abrasive or to be offensive. You're just kind of going about your everyday business. And so taking it that way, or if anyone would give you a hard time and just kind of not feigning innocence, but you, it is an innocent thing. You're, you're not trying to do anything that's going to cause a kerfuffle. So just go about it and if something happens, you know, just kind of play the like, oh, I had no I- idea. And you don't really need to apologize. Yeah, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think Melanie has hit on some great points. Yeah, I think just coming from it from a place of complete normalcy, like that's just really and, and being confident that that you're not doing anything out of the ordinary, you're feeding your baby. And you know, whether you are in Canada or the US or in a, another country, we all feed our babies. And so just feed your baby. I can, I can, I, I'm kind of reflecting. I can think about my first several weeks when I was living in Bangkok and, you know, everything was just so new and, and exciting and a little scary. And thinking of where I was then and where I was, you know, even just a month later with the confidence, it, it was huge, a huge growing or a learning curve, I guess, in a, in a growing experience personally. So. Yeah, I think just be confident. Again, I just have to say feeding in a carrier is so easy and wonderful. And it made being out and about, you know, just as far as challenges, it was a, a great, a great thing to do. I never made, I never have to necessarily look for that place to, to sit and feed or, or wonder who was watching. I just, you know, lower the baby, put them on and, 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 and go. So having those, making it easy for yourself, I think, um, finding those little tips to make it easy and, and yeah, just grow in confidence. 
Awesome. Okay, so thank you so much to everyone for being part of today's show and for sharing their experience. If you're a member of the Boob Group, then be sure to check out the bonus content for this episode where we'll discuss some tips for moms who need to breastfeed and pump on long flights. So we have a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Stephanie, and she has a question regarding her daughter, Abby. And Stephanie sent us this message via voicemail, which is awesome because we get a chance to hear her lovely voice. We love it when you send us voicemails. And so here's Stephanie's question. Hello, my name is Stephanie. I have an eight-month-old Abby. She's my firstborn, and she just got her teeth last month. Uh, it's seven months old, and now she is just starting to bite while she's breastfeeding. So I was hoping that you guys could maybe crowdsource the question, how do you deal with or help when a, a baby is biting while they're breastfeeding? Thank you so much. I love your shows. Hey, Stephanie, it's Helen Anderson. I'm a registered nurse and a certified lactation educator, and I'm one of the experts here at New Mommy Media. So I want to thank you for your question and congratulate you on breastfeeding little Abby for eight months. That's a wonderful accomplishment. So back to biting. So a lot of moms have this question. Fortunately, the eruption of teeth does not mean the end of breastfeeding. There's some things we can do to help eliminate and reduce biting. So the first thing you can do is realize that biting usually doesn't happen when baby's actively nursing. So when Abby is at the breast and she's drinking and she's uh, swallowing and compressing your breast, typically they're not biting. Biting usually happens at the end of the breastfeeding session when baby's tummy is full and they're kind of messing around and they just want to see what these what these new teeth can do. Uh, if she's got a reaction from you in the past, she might have thought that was amusing and want to do that again, not realizing, of course, that it hurts you. So watch for your baby's cues when a bite is about to happen, if it happens at the end of a breastfeeding session. Or a lot of times we notice some fumbling with the nipple in the mouth a little bit before a bite happens. So watch for that. So there may be a timing or a behavior cue that tells you that my baby's probably going to bite soon. And so you can go ahead and use your pinky to break the seal and unlatch Abby at that point. So another thing that you can do is to be sure you have good eye contact with Abby while you're breastfeeding. Um, so she's not using the biting to get your attention. So you have this good eye contact, you're connected, you're paying attention. Um, if she does bite, take unlatch her, take her off the breast and tell her, no, don't bite, that hurts me. Or some way in a gentle tone, but firm, you're communicating that she caused you some pain, that broken connection with you. Typically babies can sense when you're upset. If you are able to show her these emotions in a calm way, um, typically after that's done a few times, she makes that connection between biting and breaking an emotional connection with you and you being upset, then the biting will reduce or be eliminated altogether. So good luck. If you have any other questions about biting, please feel free to submit another voicemail. I'd be happy to address any more concerns. Good luck and thanks. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening to The Boot Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, newbies for newly postpartum moms, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, and twin talks for parents of multiples. This is The Boot Group, where moms know breasts. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode 
are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.